0: Hello, friends. This is Pastor Dan. Let's pray. Lord God, in the midst of this crisis, we just come to you and ask you, Lord, to give us your comfort, your peace, your wisdom, your guidance, your direction. Lord, help us to be your hands and your feet. Lord, your voice to those around us in the midst of this pandemic, Lord, that that we can Help them to see you through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, you are all aware that we are in the midst of a global humanitarian crisis, the likes of which we have not experienced before. And so we must continue to take precautions, and this online sermon is one, one, As of Friday morning, more than 10,500 people have died due to the coronavirus, and many more will. Looking at it from the perspective of other recent and ongoing humanitarian crises, it doesn't yet appear to be quite as bad as them, and yet it adds to them. Of course, we've been praying about the locust plague in Africa, which is now spreading to the Middle East and South Asia and will likely cause food shortages for millions of people. We have been praying about the Rohingya refugee crisis after the genocide that killed about 25,000 and caused 70,000 to flee their homes. And the Syrian civil war crisis that has cost the lives of 2% of Syria's pre-war population Recording death figures anywhere from 400,000 to half a million, more than a quarter of them civilians, many of them children. There, 3.8 million have had to flee their homes and are refugees. It is, very, it is bad here, but at least we get to stay home. And the percentage of death, deaths from the coronavirus, even in Italy, do not compare to the deaths and destruction that humanity very often brings upon itself through war. Comparing daily deaths from the coronavirus with deaths caused by either cancer or heart disease in this country, it doesn't seem that significant yet. But of course we know the coronavirus is highly contagious when cancer and heart disease are not, hence our precautions. As of Thursday, there were currently about 1,000 daily deaths worldwide from the coronavirus, about the same as the seasonal flu. Tuberculosis tops the chart with about 3,000 daily deaths worldwide And we know that death is part of life's experience. Our prayer book says, In the midst of life, we are in death. Of whom may we seek succor? But of thee, O Lord. If we compare the coronavirus to other major contagious and relatively recent viruses, we find it is very similar in number. To the 2009 H1N1 virus, but somehow our daily lives were barely affected by that a mere ten years ago. That's why it took us by surprise when we were told not to go to school or to work or even on vacation because of the coronavirus. And all of that caused panic and the stock market crash no one knowing when it would be business as usual again. And even if we did flatten the curve, and the virus does not spread much more, what has already happened is going to have lasting negative effects on many lives. So we as the church have to be ready to face all that with Christ. Many passive investors nearing retirement will come to the realization, if they haven't already, that much of their retirement savings is gone. It won't be easy, as easy as it has been, or as we may have pictured, it might be in the future any longer. There will be bankruptcies, recession, job losses, deaths. The problem will not be so much dealing with the virus itself as much as with the loss and insecurity left in its wake, especially for those who don't lean fully on Christ. The difference in the coronavirus crisis compared to the others that I mentioned is that the coronavirus is a global crisis which actually touches us and negatively affects each one of us personally. And there is no end in sight. It may actually get worse before it gets better. So we have to change our lifestyles to protect ourselves and to protect our loved ones. And we have the extra stress trying to figure out what to do to preserve our health, finances, income and well-being in general. If we do nothing, we may be left with the reality that we made a big mistake and have to live with that. But how can we act? And all of that continues to weigh on our emotions and causes us much stress. And stress needs an outlet. And if healthy outlets are not found and used, then unhealthy outlets will be. Frustration and fear will be vented at others, even our loved ones. Thankfully, the ground out here in the countryside is thawed, so I've been spending much time in the garden hoeing and praying as I am. We have to be careful to do what the psalmist says, Keep our tongue from evil, and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil, and do good. Seek peace and pursue it." I was having some trouble personally dealing with this crisis, and I'll tell you why. In the early 80s, when I was, a, when I was young and single, in business for myself and doing well, I was able to invest much of my earnings in the stock market and I did very well for quite some time until Black Monday, October 19, 1987, when my losses came in heavily. And even though most of my investments had been in mutual funds and not individual stock, I still found that I couldn't handle the stress of the freefall and I cut my losses, getting out and investing what I had left in real estate, a rental that I shared with my brother, and the farm where I now live. And even though I was a Christian then, though a very new one, the emotions of losing a sizable amount of my assets so rapidly sent me into a tailspin for some time. I went on to make some rash and foolish decisions, business and otherwise, And around that same time, my dear grandmother, who was the rock of my life and the rock of my family, passed away. So did my dog. My best friend and my Christian mentor moved far away from me. Not long afterward, I fell out of fellowship with other believers. All that and more left me barely able to cope with my life. And even though I didn't realize it at at the time, I was nearing a nervous breakdown. All the stress and insecurity were more than I can handle by myself emotionally, and I didn't know where to turn. I didn't share what I was going through with anyone and acted badly relationally with those around me. Distrust set in. It took two more years for me to bottom out in the midst of yet another crisis and finally begin to allow God to run my life rather than me run my life. And he began rebuilding my life, first rebuilding my relationship with him and with others. And though it was not an easy path, he was with me And I soon found myself in a good church, in ministry, surrounded by good Christian friends, there to help me. And he continued to bless me, and blessed me even more with a loving wife and then family. And finally, he blessed me with a wonderful Christian community. But did I learn anything then? Did I learn anything from the first crisis? I learned to simplify perhaps and to be content with less. But what's going on with me then now in this latest crisis? I hadn't gone back to the markets because of the emotional trauma that I experienced back in 1987 right up until about a year and a half ago. And all I really had to work with now was my RSP from work, but it had built up a bit over the years. And being frustrated at the limited investment vehicles offered by my group plan and the poor performance of the conservative ones, I finally ventured out and put some into the riskier ones and did very well for a year. Then this free fall. And all the emotions, all the memories of that 1987 trauma came roaring back along with some of the same natural reactions. Because I'm a passive investor now, I'm told to be in for the long haul and ride it out. But all of us know that we are experiencing something that has never happened before. And you can't help but see what the market does each day. So along with the health scares and the lack of business as usual, and the choices we have to make almost on a daily basis, this takes its toll on us, all of us, every day, and causes tremendous stress and even more health problems. And all of this spills over into our relationships. And some, of course, do better than others under such strain. But unless we've been careful to keep a right relationship with our Lord, then we're in trouble right now. Nevertheless, God is kind and merciful, and he uses such times as these as a barometer to help us check on our relationship with him. How are you doing? If we don't take time to check, repent, and allow God to correct us, the devil will use these times to destroy us and to destroy our relationships with one another. Well, I wasn't doing that. I wasn't paying that much attention to my own relationship with God since the crisis began. I was kind of busy. A week ago, Friday, when I went to bed, I suppose I was considering what to do with my failing retirement fund, as well as the two weekend church services I had chosen to conduct on Saturday and Sunday. But I was awakened at 4 a.m. by my son with a more pressing issue, his defective heart. He informed me that it had been palpitating madly for more than an hour, which had never happened before. So I had to get up quickly and rush him to the hospital in Valleyfield, thinking all the while that he might go into cardiac arrest at any time. Suddenly, my retirement fund was no concern at all. All I was concerned about was my son and his life, and all I could do was pray to the God that I'd been neglecting for mercy. Well, we made it safely to the hospital, saw a doctor. Jacob had a series of tests done, and a few hours later, his heart calmed. Afterward he was released to go home with pending appointments and I was able to get him home with enough time to make it back to Point Claire to do the memorial service that afternoon. Was God telling me something? Absolutely. Things like this happen in our world. Our world is never secure. And we ourselves are not secure. And that peace, unless our all rests on Jesus Christ and his faithfulness. Our relationship with him and relationships with those he has put around us are most important. Eternal security is what is most important for everyone. Not temporary financial security, which really is not that secure at all not even managing our health security. Life may settle down again for a time when this present crisis is over, and we may resume as normal, but we'll re-remember what we have learned through this crisis, that our world is not as secure as we had thought it was, and there are no guarantees outside of Jesus Christ. So what do we do in the meantime? Do we stay in lockdown mode forever? How long? And who says? What if things get worse? Do we depend on our governments, our healthcare systems, safer investments, our farm? We'd better not. What do we do? We simplify, and we look to and depend on our maker more than ever. Last Sunday morning, I opened my Bible to Psalm 34 and was truly blessed reading it. My son still had chest pain and high blood pressure then, but we all went to church nevertheless, and gathered for worship with others. Together we considered God's word and prayed. After the service, I called on some of our elders and we laid hands on my son and prayed for him, anointing him with oil as scripture says in James five fourteen. How do we live under such stress? That's how. It's not that we need not be concerned about our physical and financial security, plan and act, but we act with God first in our hearts and in our minds, and we look to him for his help first. It's not that we do not take recommended precautions set out by our leaders. We do, but that's not the main thing. And they do not have the final say. Our relationships with God and others, that's the main thing. And God still has the final say. In times like these, and at all times, we do as the psalmist says we bless the Lord. We praise Him continually. We make our boast in the Lord. We call others to worship. We seek the Lord, and he hears us and delivers us from all our fears. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. Even though many are the afflictions of the righteous, the Lord delivers him out of them all. Folks, we need the Lord now as always. We just realize it more now. And we need one another. So reach out to the Lord and to your loved ones now. Grow closer, not further away. Lately, I was thinking about that financial advisor who we often hear advertising on CJAD, who says, I am so-and-so and I can always be reached at such and such a number. Well, I wonder if he still can always be reached. God can. And so should we, his servants, especially in these times. Let's pray. Oh God, I thank you that you are with us. Lord, that you are with us even now to guide us, to help us, to speak to our hearts, to tell us uh, what to do, where to go, who to speak to. Lord, fill us with your love. Lord, give us so much love for our our neighbors, our, our friends, our loved ones. Lord, love that comes from you only and allow us to be able to transport and deliver that love to those around us. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you will continue to bless us with your person. In Jesus' name, amen.